Hey, mama. So I have to tell you, when I finally decided to stop all of the dieting and focus on creating a lifestyle where I was no longer a slave to food, no longer tracking and counting and weighing of my food, and I was getting results, one of the very first things I did was simply learn how to get more real food in my diet. I learned how to put meals together that were fast, easy, and delicious. And when I started doing this one simple thing, my body started to change. And this is exactly why getting more real food is the very first step, step one in my five-step signature method for sane and sustainable weight loss. But I know that eating less stuff in a box or a package isn't always easy because let's face it, we're friggin' busy. But this is exactly why I created the Little Black Dress Boot Camp. This is a free seven-day program designed to show you how simple and delicious getting more real food can be. Over the seven days, I'm going to take the guesswork out of your nutrition by giving you seven days of meal inspiration so that you feel motivated, energized, less bloated, and excited to keep going with your transformation. So if you're ready to kickstart your fat loss goals, then go to ambershaw.com and grab the free seven-day Little Black Dress Boot Camp program today. All right, so you may already know, but I am a huge fan of magnesium. I talk about it all the time because it's actually the fourth most abundant mineral in the body, and we need it for like 80% of our metabolic functions. It helps with stress relief, better sleep, improves your brain health, fights depression, and so much more. The problem is that 65% of adults are low in it, and this is why magnesium is a part of my daily supplement regimen, but they're not all created equal. My go-to is Symbiotica's magnesium. Magnesium L3 and 8. Developed by a team of scientists at MIT, their magnesium L3 and 8 is a liquid form which makes it highly absorbable and the most effective way to deliver it straight to the brain. Right now, my followers are getting 15% off. So head to the link in my show notes or go to symbiotica.com and use code AMBER15. Welcome to the Wellness Revolution Podcast. I'm your host, Amber Shaw, a board-certified health and wellness coach, personal trainer, and body transformation expert for women over 40. I empower women to get off the crazy train of dieting and feel confident and sexy in their skin. As a recovering cereal dieter, mom of two who gained 65 pounds with both pregnancies and struggled with body image her whole life, I will be sharing tips and strategies to end the vicious cycle of dieting and find true food freedom while learning to love what you see in the mirror. Together, we will talk nutrition, fitness, mindset, relationships, and all things life after 40. You with me, mama? Let's go. Hey, Mama. Welcome back. Welcome back to another episode of The Wellness Revolution. I am your host, Amber Shaw. And today I have the members of the podcast, The Brain Profits. Let me tell you, I had the pleasure of being on their podcast um, just a few months back, and it was a blast. And so I was like, I got to get this crew on the show because we are going to have some interesting and fun stuff to talk about. And I got to tell you, um, they did not disappoint. So um, the Brain Profits consists of Douglas Mapp, who is a board-certified cognitive development professional, and he helps individuals think differently in life-impacting ways. 
I've also got Dr. Philippe Duyon, who I've had on the show before, just individually, um, but he is a board-certified neurologist, um, and he completed his residency at an NYU and also had his uh, fellowship at Cornell Medical College, and he has just uh, become an amazing uh, colleague and friend. And then I've also got uh, Stacy Busby, and she is just a powerhouse of a female, and she's an executive coach that helps high-achieving indiv- individuals and teams go beyond what they've been capable of doing up until now. And I got to tell you this, get ready, because this episode, we're going to talk about some polarizing things. I'm talking everything from uh, menopause in the workplace to low T in men. We're going to talk about the body positivity versus um, an unhealthy lifestyle. Uh, so there is just lots of hot topics that you don't want to miss. And it is such a fun time getting different perspectives from another female and then just two incredible men uh, like Doug and Dr. Philippe. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this amazing episode with the Brain Profits. Welcome, welcome, Dr. Philippe, Stacy, Doug. I am so glad you all are here with me today. Good morning. Good morning. Great to be here. Yeah, I'm looking forward to this. We had so much fun the last time. (laughs) We did. (laughs) I was telling you guys, this is actually the very first time that I've interviewed multiple people at the same time. And I'm super pumped, though, because obviously I've been on your show before, and I know just what a fun and effortless just conversation this was. So I am pumped to dive in. You know, what I want to start with first is I would really love to give the audience a little bit of context and share how you three came to be, because you definitely come from different backgrounds. Uh, and it's such a fun dynamic. So does it, is there is there a leader of the group that wants to talk about kind of a little bit about how you guys uh, came to be together for your podcast? The Brain yeah, Profits? I guess I'll take the lead because I was the guy who asked each of these guys, these others, <laughs> Dr. Philippe and Stacy, to join me in hanging out. So I started off meeting Philippe through LinkedIn. Um, Stacy, I, I met through our networking kind of like around town. We live in the same metro area in uh, Knoxville, Tennessee area. And uh, I thought one day, I think it was, was it right before the pandemic or even right during the pandemic, I, I believe? Yeah, no, yeah, right afterwards. I thought, hey, man, we should do a podcast and then not really have an idea of like what that was going to look like. Uh, and, so we, and so we kind of just got started throwing our idea down. Well, I love it. And I will tell you, like, I, especially for being on your show, like there's just such a fun synergy between the three of you. And it's just really, I love um, that you have like the male and female perspective and just um, a lot of different life and professional experience that you guys bring to the table. So I'm, I'm, I'm pumped to share you guys with my audience as well. And so, you know, it's really funny when, uh, after I was on your show, after we, you know, finished the episode, we were talking a little bit about the show and just to give the audience a little bit of background. So when we first went to go do the episode, y'all were like late coming on and I'm like, what's happening? Are we not doing the show? Like what's going on? They're like, like, I'm like texting Philippe. I'm like, are we doing that? Like what's happening here? Are we doing this? And so, of course I had to give you guys a hard time after I'm like, what is, what's going on here? So after the show... They were like, yeah, okay, so the reason why we were late is because because we were having an internal discussion or debate, however you want to frame it, as to what topics we were going to cover. 
And one of the topics that came up was menopause in the workplace. And I was like, oh, awesome. Okay, well, why didn't we're like, and then you guys proceeded to tell me that there was like debate. Some of you felt like, yes, let's talk about it. And some of you felt like, no, I'm not touching that with a 10 foot pole. <laughs> so I want to know just like full disclosure, like who is the one that was like, no, we ain't, we ain't not talking about that. And I want to know why, why, what was the, give us, give the audience a little bit of background here on what the issue was. So <laughs> First of all, I feel like I feel like yeah yeah I feel like Doug left some stuff out in this intro. Right? Okay. Yeah yeah. So first of all, the way Doug and I connected, and this is going to be a cheap book, is through this book right here, through this book, through my book, Neuroplasticity or Brain Superpower. So that's how he why he reached out to me, right? And we did a he was hosting a conference, and that through that virtual conference, that's how I met Stacy. And so when he sort of brought this idea of doing the podcast and we started doing stuff together. I was like, did y'all two used to date <laughs> because of the interaction? <laughs> ben, I just realized after hanging out with Doug, he just brings that side out of you where you're just kind of like needling him often. <laughs> so, you know, so yeah. So when Doug brought this up and we were like, it was kind of like, well, what about this show is making you want to, you know, talk about menopause, right? Because this has not come up before. His, yeah. It was the top thing on his mind. That was the, <laughs> I mean, that was the moment of, of all things, women over 40, the first thing you think about well, is that they are just dealing with menopause and life is a mess at work. I mean, it really came across as that. And I was like, hey, good to know, best buddy, that that's all you think I'm dealing with right now. Because... I so we got to go back into the research. So part of the show, uh, when we talk is like, okay, how do we look at how the brain is impacting people's lives? And so when you were coming on Amber and I saw, you know, what learning about you, what you do and what you're trying to help women with my spin, cause I'm in cognitive development was like, okay, what are the aspects that women may be dealing with or what aspects in life are they dealing with that you may have heard about or may, you know, have some type of, uh, or some type of um, idea to lend to a particular bigger, broader conversation. And so I took the road of what would I probably say, or what should be, could be talked about that Stacy or Philippe may not talk about. And so that's why I started studying. And there was a big thing in May led by somebody named Davina McCall, who sort of started looking at studies about women in the workforce and what was happening, uh, what they were experiencing because of menopause and brain fog uh, and forgetfulness was like one of the top things that was that is coming out of, I guess, coming out of women having menopause, but then also how it affects them at work. So now that they're at work um, dealing with brain fog and forgetfulness, they're kind of starting to bail out of work. Right. So like one out of four women are experiencing brain fog at work and forgetfulness and among some other issues, of course. And then one out of 10 actually leave the workforce because of it. And so I thought, well, you know, maybe you would have some type of uh, say in that conversation because you deal with women in a particular age range that the audience may want to hear about. Because at some point, hope was... Stacey, I don't, I don't oh, remember I this being pitched to us yeah, this well, eloquently. This was not pitched to us this way at all. That's exactly what I'm thinking. As I'm, I'm smiling as he's talking on... Oh, he's had time to prepare No, but I prepared... I, had prepared <laughs> I, just, I just said in the... Before it sounded no, 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 sexy. In the subject line, right. we said stuff back and forth via text. It's a quick, like, here's my subject, menopause. Boom. That's it. Not like, hey, here's why I think... 
you know, I'm a professional guy, so you know, you guys should trust me to be able to take it down a line that would have stayed on the high road. <laughs> <laughs> well, what what I will say, what I will say is that I actually can appreciate both perspectives. Like I understand what Stacey's saying too, like as a woman, like you know, well, look, this isn't like the only, cause that is some of the stigma too, with like women that are, you know, you know, menopausal women have been, you know, menopause have been through menopause. It's like that now, like we've crossed over into this like old lady <laughs> land. Like there, there's like, there's just, there's a lot of, I think, stigma around it. So I can totally understand Stacey's perspective, but then I can totally appreciate Doug. I can, can appreciate your perspective though, because I do think that this is not, uh, something that is talked about, but it is a very real thing. So with that, you know, I would love to kind of, and I think this is a really fun conversation and I love Dr. Philippe and, you know, Doug, that you guys are like, not many, many men are like, Hey, let's talk about menopause. And so that's amazing. So I would just, let's open up the discussion. Like what, you know, what do you think that there should be special accommodations or considerations or exceptions made for, you know, for women going through this transition in their life. And then I, I will say part of my, my initial, you know, knee jerk reaction is, is that can be a slippery slope, right? It's like, so what do you guys think about that? So who wants to answer first. that one first? So, oh, Doug, go ahead. I, I think there should be some <laughs> um, accommodations being made, you know, the way that we, so our brain evolved right? So that we can do some really cool things in life. But one of the things that it didn't evolve to do is work the way that we do, right? That's a really modern concept, the way that we currently work. And so if we're to adjust how we're addressing it for each of us, males and females, you know, something must be done. An intervention of some sort should be implemented inside of the workforce, uh, particularly when it comes to women, uh, at least. So Pepe, uh, you know, fully disclosed or yeah, Pepe is the name of the company who did a research study on women. They said that they found like 78% of women who go through menopause say that they experience this brain fog, right? And so there's a whole lot of reasons why, but part of it, part of one of the things that they, that came out of it was that they wanted to understand was that there are very few conversations inside of the workplace, right? That are taking place to say, how do we still keep these very valuable people valued inside of our organizations? And so a space needs to be created for that. And, and part of that could be with what each of one of us do can be part of that solution for, to help women out among some other solutions too. Yeah. You know, it, it seems this is the first time I'm really wrestling with this question, Amber, but I would agree. My first reaction was, well, that's a slippery slope for multiple reasons. But what's occurring to me as you're talking, Doug, is that when I was pregnant in the workforce, I could say, ah, oh, prego brain, you know, give me a second here and get myself organized. And we could talk about that. But I don't remember any of my senior colleagues saying, oh, menopause brain, give me a second. And, and not in a way that's comfortable and, and accessible. Um, and not to excuse that space, but, you know, in general, we're not, our brains are not to be designed to be on all of the time. And there are most definitely seasons in a woman's life, and we'll also give credit, let's also say that happens in men's lives as well, but there's just this, uh, our workforce is always on, and there are times when hormones are affecting the way that the brain is able to function. And yeah, it's a it's an interesting balance, because I would hate for it to become a, oh, she's menopausal. Oh, yeah. 
and then there's this less than or uh, you know, much like women leaving the workforce for maternity leave and the belief that you need to keep going on so that you can enter at some level of where you were before you left. There's that, you know, the, there's a lot of education that would need to come into that dialogue and, and being able to converse about it in a way that sees women as powerful because we can be both and. We can be menopausal, learn from each other on how to handle it and be a badass in the workforce. Yeah. Dr. Philippe, what, what, what are your thoughts? I think if you want to look at, if you want a great model for how our brains change throughout our lifetime, you want to look towards women. Because the reality is that during different seasons of a woman's life, her brain is changing in some beautiful and remarkable ways to fit what she is going through. And, we, and, and this is the case too for men's brains, right? But we don't really talk about men going through changes where their hormones are impacting the way that they're sort of approaching life and the, their perspective on life. And I think if we start saying, well, this woman is menopausal, she's going to have brain fog, she's going to have this, she's going to have that, then that opens up a door where it's going to be like, well, maybe women shouldn't be in the workplace for as long, right? And I think in, in this country, we have to be really careful with, with things like that. So then, and, and I hear you on that. I mean, I think, again, this is why it kind of goes back to when I was saying it's kind of a slippery slope because, you know, as you were talking, Stacey, I was thinking, you know, even, even there is a stigma, I think, around like pregnant women too, right? It's mm-hmm. like, oh, you know, like, I mean, obviously you can't be fired because you're pregnant, but it's like, there is a like, oh, there is a real thing that like your productivity is going down. I mean, you're going to be out, you're going to be out of the workforce for a while. I mean, it's, it's, you know, there's a stigma with that. So where do you guys think then the fine bat, like, where is that balance then? Is it giving consideration or, and making like, again, special exceptions, or is it more about education? I mean, where do you guys think how we strike that fine balance? I think it's education should definitely be part of that, right? Because you hear women all the time talk about pregnancy brain, Right? And, and sometimes they'll sort of talk about it from a negative perspective, like, oh, they're forgetting this or, you know, things that were really easy for them in the past are not so easy now. The reality is that the brain does change during pregnancy, but it changes so that way you can take the focus off things that are not so important right, and place the focus on what's going to be most important, which is about enhancing the survival of each child. So during pregnancy, yes, you're going to lose some neurons in some places. You're going to gain some neurons in some other places, right? Um, which is a very beautiful thing that our brains are constantly evolved, that we have the potential for neuroplasticity throughout our entire life. And depending on what season we're in, our brains sort of evolve to accommodate that. And we don't want to be using that against people. And I think that the society that we sort of live in, um, where for a lot of people it's about constantly working, not just nine to five, because I feel like nobody really works nine to five because you take work home, you're doing things sometimes at 10 o'clock or midnight. That level of stress is not good for anybody. So if your brain's already changing, now you're adding that kind of stress, which is detrimental to your brain because that's going to kill neurons and parts of your brain responsible for memory and your cognitive functions. Well, that's not helping either. And so we've got to find a way where if society is not going to change the way that we go about our day, then we need to start making those choices for ourselves. Yeah, I agree. I think that uh, a lot of times what we what we have left out is having a pathway of support, right? How do we, what are we doing in, 
inside of our the main areas, which you know, which for the U.S. is going to be in our jobs, that's going to allow us to get the support we need to live the lives that we want to live. Right? No matter what level you're at, salary wise, that doesn't matter. How do we support each other for uh, strong wellness? And so, even part of this dialogue to me is about how do we have these open conversations to know that it's there. You know, part of that study um, that was done talks about the fact that sometimes women may not even be aware of what they're really experiencing because we don't educate and talk about it. You know, it's almost like uh, raining outside or you thinking it's raining outside, but somebody's, you know, shooting a, a fire hose at you. And so um, not knowing what the signs are, not knowing, you know, what's available to us is, is the thing that sometimes hurts us, you know, and, and speaking and even to that end, a lot of that stuff becomes precursors like women. They have a higher uh, rate of having dementia and Alzheimer's and all these things are, you know, knowing, studying and understanding signs and different things that goes along with that is important. And the only way you, and not the only way, but one of the best ways to understand that is if you have a pathway of support, right? And so I want people to know inside of organizations, we have to start looking at how we support each other for the long run. And even and it helps, of course, their organization when we do that, how people think is important to how the organization is going to think and move forward, you know, culturally, uh, strategically, uh, and, and profit profitably. So, Amber, I would also call to to women for us to take that radical ownership of those conversations. And that's one of the things that I've fallen in love with about you is that you have real conversations about real mm-hmm. stuff that's happening with women over forty. And we're just, we're just not great at it. Anything that is different from the norm, whether that be pregnancy or whether that be, uh, if we think about, you know, staying in the same realm when, you, you know, you're struggling to get pregnant or now talking about menopause, we don't talk about it. After I've been through crazy things with pregnancy, women would then talk about it. Where the hell were you beforehand? So I knew it was normal and I was okay with it. Same thing with this, with menopause. And and I would say too, we there's an opportunity for us to call up to not to commiserate in it, but to have the conversations around how we arise with it, how we embrace it, how we love ourselves, and the fact that it is amazing that our bodies go through all of these seasons and be able to celebrate it that way so that we're defining ourselves in these beautiful years rather than, as you said, the old lady years uh, that now we are we're done. We, you know, there's a, it's now the roll down the hill to the grave uh, type of experience. And there is, wowza, there is so much to embrace about being 40 and to sit around the table and coffee and in podcasts to talk about what is coming up? What, what am I to be expecting? How will I know I'm in perimenopause and menopause? And, and what are the things that I might struggle with so that I can begin preparing for it? And caring for myself rather than trying to cover up and hide it. And I hope nobody else notices. Yeah, 100%. And I think, you know, I, you know, I think that the more conversations that we can have in the workplace on podcasts outside the world, I mean, just uh, the more conversations that we can have, the more that we can normalize this change that is inevitable for women. Um, I think the better. I think another factor that plays into why women don't want to talk about this is because 
uh, there's such a just a, a pressure, a cultural pressure on women to basically Benjamin Button themselves, right? Like freaking reverse age, like aging your, you know, should not age at all. And so if you admit, and women, there's still women, uh, a lot of women, and I love seeing this movement now of women. And I, that's the, I, that's part of my mission is to embrace being over 40 and a lot of the amazing things that come with it, 40, 50 plus. But there is still a huge population that likes to lie about their age and doesn't want to even admit how old they are, right? So, like, God for it, I was like, I'm not going to talk about the fact that I'm perimenopause, you know, in, in perimenopause or that I'm menopause. Like, I'm not going to talk about any of that because yes. that will that will reveal my age, and that will mean I'm old. And so, I think that, yeah, 100. percent I think that just where it's where it, just the more more awareness we can bring to this, I think it will be a different conversation in 10 years. You know, I, I really, really do. I don't think that we're there yet. Um, but I do think it will be eventually a different conversation. You know what I found really interesting, uh, Amber and Stacy. You guys use words like normalize and abnormal, and I'm like, anything that naturally occurs in nature is normal, right? But so see, you're a doctor, though, right? Like you, pregnancy like, that, is normal. Yeah, but menopause you're a is normal, right? Yeah, but you're a doctor. Most men, I can tell you, most men, not most men. That's unfair. There are a lot of men out there, though, um, that yeah, that don't that don't see it like that. Well, I think that you know that's a problem with them, right? And so, yes, we need to educate women about what's going on in their bodies, but we also need to educate men about what's going on in women's bodies, but also what's going on in their bodies. Because guess what? When testosterone goes down, it's not just your libido you have to worry about. You're going to have cognitive issues as well, right? And so. Because these are just sex hormones that have an impact on the way that the brain evolves, right? And so we've got to teach people that all of this is naturally occurring and it is normal. So, you know, I would actually like to, I want to go down that direction and I would love to, to know, and I think it's important for women too, to also, it's not one-sided. I think as you were just to your point, women also need to be educated on what happens to men as they age and what are some of the things that we can be sensitive to? Because I'll be real honest with you guys. I'll be really transparent with you guys. So when I got divorced uh, and I was I was 40, like I was ready. I was ready to hit the town, okay? I was ready. I was ready for some romancing, some loving and all the things. And I dated some guys with low T and I was like... What's happening here? I'm in the prime of my freaking life. Wait, is this me? Is this a me? Listen, <laughs> is this, that, this, this is like God's ultimate joke, right? You got a woman in her 30s and early 40s who's like in the prime of her, you know, sort of sexual like, urges. And then you got guys in their 40s where it's just the tease, the testosterone is just going down. <laughs> I'm like, uh, you know, yeah, well, you know, it's really funny is that, uh, you know, Max has and I, we've got a good relationship and he'll be like, and he, you know, what I've made in the past comments to him about, he'll be like, well, where were you, okay, in our early, <laughs> like, where, like, in our, like, like 20s and 30s, like, well, okay, like, that's great now that we're divorced and that you're living your life now and you're the prime of your life, but no, but I think it's really important for women to, <laughs> to yeah. understand, like, what goes on with you, like, what, what, what should we, what can we be sensitive to? What, what should we be a little bit more aware of? You know, well, it's interesting. I had this conversation with uh, this guy probably a couple of years ago now where he talked about the pressures of men to perform sexually at any age. And I feel like that's something that a lot of people are not necessarily, they don't realize that there's this pressure to perform. And so certainly when testosterone levels go down, the first thing people think about is their libido goes down, right? And maybe they don't 
Uh, I don't want to use the word get it up, but <laughs> the term get it up. <laughs> you can use get it up. It's fine. Yeah. Maybe, maybe they, don't, they don't get it up as readily as before, right? Um, maybe it takes more time. Maybe it takes more effort. And so I think that that can have a significant impact on men. Also, their, their muscle tone goes down, assuming that they were sort of muscular at the beginning. They now have to start to work at things to get their testosterone levels where it's sort of decent. Um, they've got to make sure that they're exercising. They've got to make sure that they're eating right, that they're minimizing stress. The same thing that women need to do, especially when they start going through menopause, right? Because the changes that go on in the brain, we can talk about them like, yes, they potentially cause memory issues, brain fog. But there are things that you can do every day to combat that. And it's all about the lifestyle changes that you, or the lifestyle that you're living. Yeah, now he's, and I was so, going to say, he's 100% yeah, correct, you know. They see or we see people who, or men particularly, who are having a you know low testosterone decline, that they, they have cognitive function issues as well. And so, like Philippe is saying, there are things that you can do. Now, some people would say the easiest thing to do is to do HRT or hormone replacement therapy. Uh, I don't know any of the uh, negatives that come along with that. Philippe, you can probably speak to some of that, but you know that's the easiest thing to do. But of course, we like the pill... It's the easiest thing to do, but it's not always the best thing to do for you know, long-term effects. So we all work in areas Listen. where we don't give you the pill, but we give you some of the, the tactics that you can use to improve your cognitive function. Look, I'm, I'm over 40, and for me to keep you know, my testosterone level at a decent place and to feel sort of young and vibrant, uh, for me, it's, it's exercise. It's minimizing stress. It's the way that I'm eating. Like all those things play a huge role. I'm not big on necessarily taking hormone replacement therapy. For some people, it works great. I'm always sort of on the mindset when you are taking something from outside the body that your body naturally makes, you're essentially telling your body mm. it doesn't need to make it. So what's it that bottle behind you next to your book? <laughs> uh, there is no bottle, Doug. <laughs> but, but you do. Thank you for bringing up my book, Neuroplasticity of Your Brain Superpower. There we go. There we go. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, I and and I love that you said, you know, uh, Dr. Philippe, that that it really is. It, it, that's true for women too, right? Mm -hmm. This is in so many of my programs and the way that I teach uh, just health and wellness and weight loss for women. And it's all about like you know hormone balance, uh, you know, hormone balancing in the body, definitely. And and any doctor will tell you that it needs to come from your nutrition, from exercise, from reducing stress, all of that first. Now, um, there are situations where you definitely do require hormone replacement therapy, and I'm you know all for whatever works for you. But I think that you know really looking to your own body first is what's super super important. So you know, I what last thing I'll say about this is that I I do think uh, you know that uh, kind of the takeaway from this is that I I, I think that obviously. Uh, you know, discussion needs to be and awareness needs to be brought uh, on on both sides, right? For men and for women, for both things. I will say though, um, I will go on a limb to say though that I think the conversations for normalizing low T in the workplace are probably years behind <laughs> normalizing menopause in the workplace. I do. Would I you would agree. agree they, or, or no? So I know uh -huh. in, in Europe, yeah. um, particularly, they have uh, job titles where you could be a menopause champion, and over here, you know, it'd be interesting to see if we would have that or even have like a low T champion to even hear that being talked about. But I hear ads on the radio here about low T or at least going getting, you know, the HRT for that. So, but you're right. It is behind. 
Yeah. It's definitely starting to be, t- at least, you know, I, I feel like sometimes I'm in a bubble because I am in like, obviously the health and wellness space. And I know coaches specifically that, uh, that specialize in helping men, um, and to normalize this because it is something that needs to be talked about. So, all right. So one of the other topics, uh, that I thought I'd ask, yeah, asked you guys, you know, a little bit about, you know, what are some other things that some, some hot topics maybe that you guys wanted to cover. And, uh, Stacy, uh, fired back with some really, really, I think just awesome, uh, points, um, of where we could take this conversation. And, and one of the things that, that, that came up for Stacy was that we, you know, women over 40, um, we really have such an amazing opportunity to really define and to, to intentionally define and redefine who we are. I think the same applies for men too. Um, and so I'd love to kind of talk about Stacy, what, what, when you, when you mentioned that, what, what kind of, what was the lines of your thinking of, of where you wanted to go with that? Yeah. Well, there's so one, just our, our brains as far as psychologically. In our 40s, we we are coming to this stage of reflection and awareness. There's a little bit of grounding that naturally happens in coming into ourselves. But up until that point, I find that most women are answering the question, who should I be? What should I be doing? And there's this awakening that seems to be happening around 40, or at least if not at 40, whenever empty nest syndrome begins to happen. And this space of, well, who am I now? I was supposed to be this. Or again, as we enter the old lady space, you know, ugh, now I guess I'm supposed to just be frumpy. And uh, there is just this beautiful opportunity to pause and begin to upgrade those questions we're asking ourselves, ones that I personally and some women that I work with struggle with because they're not good at it. The muscle is not great at asking, what do I really want? What brings me joy? Who do I want to be? And be audacious around it. This idea of you know, defining for those in your realm, Amber, I want to be the healthiest I've ever been in my life at the age of 42, 43, 48, 55. I mean, there's just this beautiful, when we say those things out loud, our brain can start working towards problem solving that. And, and there's just, just deciding it. Society has decided for us, or we've allowed, I should say, we've allowed, most of us allow society to decide for us and our relationships to decide for us. And there's just this beautiful opportunity to intentionally pause and say, who do I want to be? What is 40 to me? Not what is what 40 is in movies or in my family, but what do I want it to be? Yeah, I love that. Dr. Philippe, Doug, what, what's your what's your take on that? I think that in society, we have done women a disservice, right? Because the messages are about sacrificing who you are and what your needs are. And then we have sort of brainwashed women into thinking that their physiques are supposed to look a certain way. And one of the things that I push back on a lot is this huge move towards all this plastic surgery that we're seeing, right? Because as a neurologist, I end up seeing women when things go wrong, right? So if a woman's heart stops in the operating room while she's undergoing surgery, or if they cut a nerve by accident and now she's numb or weak, or now she develops pain because of something that happened. And I'm like, what are the messages that we're telling women where they're so willing to put themselves in these risky 
situations, put themselves through these risky procedures to now have bodies that don't look natural, right? I mean, we sort of touched on things that are normal or things that are naturally occurring in nature, right? And especially when you look at BBLs, I just saw an article recently and I posted it on my social media about a woman who died getting a BBL and she was in her 20s, right? The riskiest procedure that you could possibly have. And it's crazy. And it's like, they get BBLs, it doesn't even look good. It, like, it does not look natural at all, right? And it's like, what messages are we telling women? Because we now need to tell women a completely different message. That you are enough, that you are beautiful, that you are capable, that you need to take very good care of yourself from very early on, right? Because like Doug mentioned, yes, women have a higher rate rate of developing Alzheimer's or other type of dementias because they're not taking good care of themselves from early on. There's too much sacrificing sleep, sacrificing healthy eating, sacrificing the ability to, to exercise. And we're seeing the consequences of that. No, he's 100% correct. I think that um, being intentional about what you want to do, who you want to be, uh, rather than fitting the norm of you know wh who you should be or who somebody else says you should be, should be sought more. And I think that, um, you know, the women that, I, that are at least around me today, that's around me today, they're doing that more often than, than maybe others are. So I may not see it as much as I used to, but you know, uh, you know, the world's changed for me since, you know, COVID. So I see few, fewer people, but I agree with that, the whole push of we need to change how we're kind of going at and attacking the issues that are happening around us. And again, it changes with how we think about things. Right, how we're looking at what we're see what's in front of us. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And I, you know, I will say something, you know, something that came up for for me, Dr. Philippe, when you were talking was, and I agree, absolutely, I think changing the narrative and, and how we the standards that we hold women to and the expectations uh that we are, you know, that that society has on us and our bodies and the way that we're supposed to look. But I could tell you some of this, and this is something that can be a little bit tough to talk about, I think, especially as a female um, health and wellness coach, is that in my space, there is definitely a little bit of a, of a, what's the word I'm looking for, of kind of a, a, of a feud, so to speak, between kind of the body positivity movement, right? And then, um, like more of the, like, cause I was talking to a functional, um, she was a registered dietitian in the functional medicine world, right? And we were talking about this yesterday because I had said, I said, well, I am really, uh, you know, anti diet, but I believe in using food as medicine. And she's like, well, what you may not realize is that you've kind of actually said in the like body positivity movement, you said two contradictory things because you've got this whole group of women in the body positivity group that feel like any, you know, uh, rules or, you know, guidelines or whatever around your food is considered like a diet. And she's like, but then I have all these women coming to me who are just intuitive eating, who are all about the body positivity and they're morbidly obese or they're very overweight. That's not helpful. You know, that's uh, unhealthy for them or they feel like garbage. And so I think that where I'm going with this is that in the it can be a little bit difficult, especially for me as a health and wellness coach, is that this body positivity thing is is amazing. And I think women should embrace their bodies. But at some point, though, it does you also have to consider that that your weight could be unhealthy. That doesn't mean you have to be skinny. Um, but there are, there's research and studies that show, and yes, women do come in all different shapes and sizes. 
But there is a lot of research that shows, obviously, you know, excess belly fat, what that does to your internal organs. Like, I don't think that we can ignore that in the name of loving your body. Um, and I may get a lot of backlash from that, but I mean, I hope that that my point comes across w- from that. So I don't know. What do you What do you guys think about what I'm saying with that? I hear all of that, Amber, and and the word that kept coming to to mind is is love. And you said loving your body, but there's a you love your body where it's at because only then will you choose to keep loving it. If if we look at ourselves as broken and negative and not good enough then we're going to keep making that true because that's how our brains work. Whatever we say about it is what we create in our world. By starting with, I love my body, I am beautiful, I am strong, does not need to be a stopping point. That's not a period. I am strong and I love on my body every day. I love on it by feeding it with good nutrition. I love on it by exercising so that my hormones are balanced and so that my heart is healthy. I love on it by getting out in nature. I love on it by resting. Uh, it's not a love and stop. Like it's good. It's like saying it's good enough instead of saying I actually love myself and use it as a verb in the way that we behave towards ourselves every single day. You may also need to look at the messaging. We don't. I don't. I know the that what it talks about body positivity was is a great thing, but where'd that come from? Who's I? You know who's selling what and making more because of that. And so, you know, um, we could, there's a lot of messages that are out there that have made money in ways that, you know, it sounded good in the beginning, but it's not really helpful in the, at the end. Um, so, you know, that's, that's how I contributed to maybe what that's about. Like what you're saying, you're right. There is a lot of issues that come up when we say, well, eat whatever you want and just be happy with who you are. I mean, that's, those are kind of two different messages too at the same time. You know, you may not be happy in a few years when you're you like, if you have to go see a Philippe or you have to see some other type of doctor because you have some type of problem. Yeah. You know, I think what, what came up for me initially, Amber, when you were speaking, and this is certainly not politically correct, but sort of as a doctor, I will <laughs> sort of say this, is that we need to cut, we need to cut the crap when it comes to celebrating people who are unhealthy and morbidly obese, right? Because that causes a whole bunch of medical problems right now for them and in the future. It, it becomes a drain in some ways on the system. And we need to start celebrating and rewarding people who are taking very good care of themselves. Now, obviously, you can't go and say that because, you know, people are sort of, they won't follow the sort of instructions you may lay out for them so that they can get healthy if you're like, listen, you're, you're 400 pounds, let's, let's, let's stop the nonsense. Like, <laughs> you're not healthy. And so you need to meet people where they're at and you need to start working with them. But there has to be this big push towards being honest with people, especially in medicine. I, I, a couple of years ago, there was this uh, patient that I was seeing for strokes. And she had like, she had her stroke, she had high blood pressure, she had diabetes, she was so heavy, she had a lung issue. So outside of her room was myself, the neurologist, a pulmonologist, um, the internal medicine doctor and the nurse practitioner. And they're all talking about, okay, here are the meds we want to put her on. So she essentially came in on no meds. She was going to leave on something like 10 different prescriptions. And I was like, why don't we just go and have a conversation with her and tell her she needs to lose weight? Because that is the problem of everything, right? And they're like, yeah, we know. But then she can go online and give us a bad <laughs> review. 
and I was like, are you serious right now? <laughs> right? Like, you, you, we need to be able, if, if your doctor can't have an honest conversation with you about your health, that is a significant problem. And that is where we are now. We can't have honest conversations with people about anything at all, including their health. And that's, that's a problem. You know, there's, there's one thing that, and this could drive people back to the podcast that we had with Amber. There's also something to honor in the stories as to why, why folks may be stopping at, I love my body. That could be a very beautiful sheep's well over the, and I'm afraid to find out how unhealthy I am. And that's not just for extremely unhealthy individuals. I find that we talked about that Amber uh, on our podcast that I have not been physically active since before my I was pregnant with my son, who is now almost five. And I'm fearful of how much I'm going to find out, how unhealthy I am. And it makes it really easy to say, well, tomorrow I'll start then because of that fear. And so continuing to, you know, I think it's it's a whole other another conversation, or again, return to that previous conversation we've had that there is an honoring of all of the stories we're telling ourselves to protect us from the pain that does come with choosing ourselves. The, the fear of what will people think of me if I choose myself or uh, if I am taking care, taking time for me. There's just a whole bunch of other junk that comes in there as well, which gets us back to this is a beautiful time in our lives to redefine and help and retrain people and how to behave around us and how to support us and, and who we are. And I think what you yeah. mentioned, sorry, I'm go ahead. No, go ahead. I think that the stories are really important, right? Because when you do the work now to figure out, well, why is it that I'm three, 400 pounds? It's not just going to be about I'm sedentary and I'm eating like crap. It's going to start getting to the root of the issue, which may be the traumas that you've experienced in life. And people have to be courageous enough to now face that and work through that, right? Your body and mind are connected. Yeah, you know, absolutely. And this is exactly why I wanted to to bring this up because I do think uh, that the messaging, I think, did get a little twisted with the body positivity movement. I think from what I see on social media, and I agree with what Stacey is saying, is that I think that, you know, being overweight and unhealthy and loving your body, actually, they they are kind of two different things. You can, when you really truly love your body, you want to take care of yourself. I mean, and then the weight loss will come. It's a byproduct of it. You start to make healthier choices for yourself. And I think that, you know, and in my opinion, I think the original movement probably started from kind of this just really wanting to uh, kind of this anarchy against all of the pressures that we have as women to have like a six pack and a Giselle body and all of that. But it doesn't necessarily mean that it has to go the complete other way to now we're avoiding health issues, right? And now we're avoiding, uh, you know, and, and just turning a blind eye to our health. And I think that's kind of the message that I want women to hear is that, yes, I want you to love your body. And here's the thing too, and this is something I talk about, is that it is so important to love your body first because even if you think, oh, well, I will just be happy when I lose weight, you you will lose the weight and you will still be unhappy. And then you will just keep chasing it over. Or I any, you know, anytime you attach, I will be happy when, and it's an external mm-hmm. thing. That's like the freaking danger zone. That's mm-hmm. the red flag, right? Because then you're just gonna keep raising the bar. And it's the same for women and their and their weight. So 
So yeah, so thank you guys for for that kind of different, you know, just a, just a different perspective on that. I think it's you're right when you said you know, Dr. Philippe, that this is not politically correct. Uh, this is why it doesn't get talked about a lot because it's not, and people are afraid of the backlash. And I think no one on this on this episode is saying uh, that, that that the body positivity isn't an amazing movement, uh, that women shouldn't love their bodies, that women do come in all shape and sizes. We're saying all of that, but we're also just saying you can't ignore your health. You just can't. So yeah, does anybody else have any, as we kind of wrap up, any uh, final uh, thoughts on that or just, uh, you know, anything else that we, we've we've talked about tonight that we, we didn't get, or today that we didn't get a chance to talk about? No. The only other thing I would add to that is that this is, this transition that we're talking about to choose health, it's difficult. It's not, it's not an easy path. It's vulnerable. It's like taking your clothes off in front of folks to, to walk that, that health journey. And that's why... There are folks like Amber and Doug and Philippe and I. It's it's the joy of our lives to be able to help folks walk that path and and be an advocate with them in choosing it. So I'd invite all of your listeners, whether it's you, Amber, that they're reaching out to or peers, uh, surround themselves with folks who are doing it. Uh, so that they really can make the changes they want to make. Uh, and Lizzo, when you listen, that was so Philippe funny. that you can go after when it comes to uh <laughs> I, I was thinking, especially I about Lizzo, but <laughs> since, you know, we talked about low hormonal levels and libido from low libido for men, I'm about to go yeah. get a workout in. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, I, I'm going to have all, you know, all your contact information in the show notes, but you know, just Stacey, where, where can people, where's, where's the best place to, to reach out Thanks. to you? Yeah, my website is Stacy at what's that text? No, text is terrible. Text message. Text is terrible. Uh Stacy at StacyBusby.com. That's an E in Stacy. And uh and then at Stacy Busby on Instagram uh and Facebook as well. So uh I'm getting out there, getting out there to serve, uh, and I look forward to meeting some of you online. Yeah, Doug, so I'm, what you got? if you want to really hit me up, I'm at DMAP2 on Twitter. The number D, two M's in map, and then the number two on Twitter. And you can also visit uh, my website at thinkupexcellence.com. Um, you can go there and see what the work we do at ThinkUp. Amazing. Dr. Philippe. Yeah, you can find me on uh, social media. My Instagram handle is philippe.md. Uh, LinkedIn and Facebook, I believe it's Dr. Philippe uh, Duyon. You can email me at philippeduyon at gmail.com. And you can visit my website at uh, inlebrainfitinstitute.com, I-N-L-E, brainfitinstitute.com. You guys are amazing. Seriously, I think we probably just could have touched on all of it for another oh, like, oh, two oh, hours. I want to throw this so, out there, too. Um, and go listen <laughs> yeah. to The Brain Profit. Yeah, you yes, can find us on all the major yes. platforms. Yeah. yeah, and I think and, Amber's yeah. episode was Got just released today. Visuals up there, yeah, a lot of fun. <laughs> Amazing, you guys seriously are the best. Like I said, uh, you guys have tremendous synergy. I know the I know the listeners now agree, and I'm so excited to have you guys. I don't think this is the end of our uh, podcast uh, relationship. I'm pretty sure. Well, you, I'm going to have you guys back. We'll be back together again soon. But thanks no again problem. for being here today. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you so much, Amber. Absolutely. And Mama, thank you so much for listening today. And I'll catch you on the next one. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Wellness Revolution. I hope you're feeling more empowered and inspired from this episode. Be sure to subscribe to the show wherever you consume podcasts. 
and connect with me on social media. I'm Miss Amber Shaw, that's MS Shaw across all platforms. And remember, you got this, mama. Until next time. <laughs>